today, I want to tell you that today, uh, I know that we're, we're, we're kind of in this series, and we've been in a series for the last few weeks called The Power of Red. Say that with me, everybody. The what? The Power of Red. If you have a pen or a pencil, and you can, I want you to underline that word power. The word power uh, represents the sovereign work of God. He is the almighty God. He's all-powerful. There's nothing that our God cannot do. Our God is filled with supernatural omniscient power. And I believe that we serve a God that there is none beside him, there's none above him, y'all. I believe we serve an all-powerful God. Do y'all believe that? Say amen. There's nothing that our God cannot do. There's nothing that our God cannot do. I believe that from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet that I serve a God that is the only God. He is the omniscient God, all-powerful God. He is the El Shaddai. He is the Jehovah Jireh. He is the all-powerful God. To him be all the glory and all the praise in the house of God today because we serve a powerful God. Can I give an amen? And I believe that today. I believe that. I believe that our God is all powerful. Then I want you to circle or underline the word red. Now the word red represents the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of our sins. We've got to realize that there is power, power, wonder-working power, where church? In the blood, the precious blood of the Lamb. Thank God for the shed blood of Jesus. When we were lost and without hope, the living sacrifice, the Lamb of God, without spot and without blemish, became the living sacrifice for all the sins of all the people of all the world, and he shed his blood, the precious blood of the Lamb. For you not, were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? And I want to tell you, I preach on this the first service and, and I'm going to tell you at the end of the service there was a couple sitting right down here a married couple chased me down at the end of the service and I got to tell y'all this at the end of the service after it was all over chased me down and they gave their heart to Jesus in my office just a little while ago can I give, give God praise for that what an exciting moment that is I'm thankful for that oh I'm about to have a bad Pentecostal fit how exciting is that God is good lives are getting changed people People are getting saved to God be the glory for that. Amen. Now, as we think about this, we have talked in the last few weeks, and I want to tell you that today is the last sermon uh, that I'll be preaching on this subject. So let's think about this for just a moment. So far, uh, we've talked about uh, Jesus Christ being the faithful witness. We talked about Jesus being the first begotten of the dead. We talked about Jesus Christ being the prince of the kings of the earth. And then last Sunday, Man, I loved it. Last Sunday, we talked about Jesus Christ loving us and washing us from our sins in his own blood. But today, I'm going to go ahead and let you know that I've done a lot of study. I've done a lot of writing, so y'all just going to have to bear with me. So are y'all right? Say amen. I, I really want to tell you this, and I want y'all to lean in and listen to me. Now, just kind of hang out with me for a minute. A lot of y'all are not going to get this today. A lot of you, you're not going to understand this. It's just not going to calibrate in your spirit mind. And, and I know that. I know that going into this today. I know that some of y'all are going to walk out of here and go, what did he just say? 
You know, and I know that. I know that going in, and I get all that, and I understand all that. But I do want you to do me a favor today. I want you to try to get it. Okay? Will you do that for me? Say amen. I just want, look at your neighbor and say, try today. Try today. Amen? Just try to get what I'm going to give you today because I'm going to tell you something. Look at Brother Jackie. Write this down. You were not created just for time. You were created for eternity. Do you believe that? Say amen. And what happens is most people, most people live their whole life just for time. They, they live their life. They get up, they go to work, you know, they do their thing. They, they raise kids. They, they, they fall in love. They fall out of love. They, they, I love you. I hate you. I can't stand you. Oh, I love you. Come back. Whatever it may be. But what happens is people get sucked in to thinking, wow, this is all there is to it. When I look at all of y'all, I, I see something, y'all. I see something bigger than just now. God created every one of y'all. Y'all come in here with me now. Don't you leave me. Come in here with me. God created you for a purpose and a plan. And, and you're created for eternity. God set eternity in your soul. And, and listen to this. Do you really think when this life is over, for all of you that are believers, what do y'all think is going to happen to you? What, what do you think? You go, okay, I'm going to go to heaven. That's what's going to happen to me. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And a lot of people think this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give Jesus my heart, and I'm going to live my life. I'm going to go to pre church. I'm going to listen to Brother Jackie preach, because if I don't show up, he'll fuss at me in Walmart. i got to go. i got to be there. And I'm going to go to church, and that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to live my life, and then I'm going to die, and then I'm going to go to heaven, and then I'm going to float on a cloud forever. Let me just tell you, that ain't going to happen to you. And a lot of people think, man, I, and you, 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 you're, you're, the people, the person you idolize is the my pillow guy. Because you're thinking, man, I'm going to get me one of those, and I'm just going to lay there forever, and I'm just going to enjoy life. I'm going to chill out. Do you really think that's all there is to it? Do you really think that you're going to just die one day and God's going to go, oh, wow, you finally got here. Thank, boy, that's great. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter in the joy of the Lord. And God's going to say to you, oh, I got this special cloud for you. And all you got to do from now on is just kind of float around in eternity. Is that the way you think life is? I think that most Christians and most churches forget that right now, you're not, you're not in the game. You're on the practice field. And what you do with your life right now, God is watching. And God is measuring that. And what he's going to do one day, he's going to set you in motion to fulfill his purpose in your life. And so many of us, we forget what we do now matters. What we do now counts. What we do now makes a difference in what's going to happen out there. You see, you're going to be a part of a kingdom that doesn't end when you die. You're going to be part of a kingdom that's going to be established on this earth. And you're going to be in what's known as the millennial kingdom of God for a thousand years on the earth. And you're going to be doing something. And God is going to use you in a magnificent way. So today, I want to title this, and I know a lot of you are not going to get it, and I'm cool with that. But I want to go back to the book of Revelation. I kind of want to dig it out, give it to you, so you'll kind of try to understand it. 
So take your Bible, open it up to the book of Revelation. Are you with me? Say amen. And today the title is this. Let's go back to the title. And that is this, Jesus Christ who has made us what, everybody? Kings and priests. When I look at this group here, all of you that are saved, all of you that are children of God, you know what I see in here? I see kings and priests. I, I see people that's not just filling a church up, that's not just going through the motion, but oh my goodness, I look at y'all and I go, oh, there's a king and there's a priest and there's a king and there's a priest. If you will notice in your Bible, open it up to the book of Revelation. Let's look there together. The book of Revelation chapter 1. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Oh, you're going to learn something today. You're going to learn something today. I hope I can get it out and get it done for you. But let's look at chapter 1 in verse number 5. It says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the what? Faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Here it is. Say this out loud. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Verse number six, and has made us, say it out loud, kings and priests unto God and his Father. Oh, listen, go back to verse number six. Go back to the beginning of it because y'all ain't got it. Y'all, some of y'all checked out already. Here we go. Say it together. He has made us what? Kings and priests unto God and unto the Father. Watch this, read it out loud. Next part, it says, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Can I get a what? So what has God done? What is God doing right now? The Bible says he's made us kings and priests. He's made us kings and priests. That's not something that is going to happen. That's something that already has happened. That when you come into the family of God, God has already ordained for you a position of being a king or a priest. So when I look at the family of God today and I look at the churches today and I think, my soul, what is wrong with people? What is wrong with the church? We sit around like we're about dead. And we, we look at our life, there's no energy in us. And I'm thinking, don't you know who you are in Christ? God has made you a king and a priest. Now, I want you to think about something. Kings govern. Kings manage. Kings do something with management and provision, and they do stuff like that. And priests, they are the guys and the people that connect with God. So you've got kings and you've got priests. You've got kings that are ruling and reigning and managing and supervising and orchestrating and doing all this stuff. And then you've got priests that are connected with God, that, that there's a spiritual element in both of them, and not one is better than the other. When I thought about that, I thought, well, let's look at 2 Chronicles. Now, while you're taking your Bible and turning to 2 Chronicles, I'm going to give you just kind of a... Uh, just an overview of what's going on. King Hezekiah, king of Israel, God begins to stir in this king. This king is a good king of Israel, and when he looked around, he saw that there was something weird about God's people. And so when he looked at the temple in Jerusalem, he saw the temple all lying in ruins. And, and man, there was no worship going on and there was no praise going on and there was, there was, no, there was no passion happening. And there, there was something that was lacking in the people of God. And King Hezekiah, under the anointing of God, begins to say, we got to do something about this. we got to change what's going on in Jerusalem, man. This is the city of God. This is the holy place of God. And if there's ever been a place where there ought to be the power 
power of God that is evident. It ought to be in that tavern, in that temple in Jerusalem. And what I see there, men, it's lying in ruins. And, and what's happened is this. It's desolate and there's no life in there. And there's something missing in the temple of Jerusalem in Hezekiah. All of a sudden, God begins to move in his life. And he gets all the priests and the Levites and the singers. And he says, we got to do something about this, man. we got to get people back to the place of God. we got to get them back to Jerusalem. There's 12 tribes that are scattered. And we got to make sure that they're coming back to Jerusalem. And when they get into Jerusalem, we got to make sure that, that all of a sudden there's power back in the temple in Jerusalem. And we are the people of God. And the world needs to recognize that we are God's people and he is our God. So he brings them back in. And, man, they start fixing the temple up. And they start cleaning everything up because the, the, the utensils of the temples had been laid aside. The instruments hadn't been played. And the altars hadn't been active. And, and all of a sudden, Hezekiah goes, no, we, we're not going to do that no more. We're not just going to have a cold, callous place here. We're about to invite God back in this place. And so he gets the singers together. And he says to them, y'all start singing. He gets the players together. And he says, y'all start playing. And he gets the priest together and he says, man, y'all start doing the, the priest stuff. And, and by the way, if you run out of sacrifices, I will give you the bullocks. I will give you the rams. I'll give you the sheep. I'm going to provide for you because I'm the king and I got provision and I can give that to you. And all of a sudden, the temple becomes alive again. And they all go back to the Passover and they're there in Jerusalem and singers are singing and and the preachers are praying and things are happening and life comes back in. Oh, my soul, do we ever need that today? Can I get an amen? We need an anointing back on the house of God. Can I get an amen? We need the people of God back connected to God so that when they go to that place of worship, they don't just go there and set like pillows of salt, but there's life back in those people. And all of a sudden, in Jerusalem, life starts coming back. Life starts coming back. And what turned out to be a place, a time for just the, the Passover and the festivals to happen, they, they didn't just stay for a day, they stayed for 14 days. They, they, could, they wouldn't go home. They said, man, God's here. God, something's happening. Something's getting stirred up in this place. I don't want to go back home. i got to stay where God is. Don't you want that, ladies and gentlemen, that all of a sudden when you come to church, there's an anointing that gets poured out on this place that all of a sudden you're going, man, I don't care who's beating me at the restaurant. Everybody else may go out to eat, but I'm staying in church because God's here. I'm not leaving this place. Can I get an amen? So for 14 days, man, they're... They're there and they're serving God and there's an anointing and there's power and there's something happening. God's saying, you know what? You let the priests do what the priests do and you let the kings do what the kings do and I'll give the provision and make something happen that will change the world. And for 14 days, they're there praising God, worshiping God. They don't want to leave. They want to stay. My soul, wouldn't that be good? I know what you're thinking. Dear God, don't let it happen today because I'm ready to get out of here already. But wouldn't it be exciting if God showed up and did something? So there's an anointing, there, there, there's, there's something that happens and all of a sudden the church gets revived, the temple gets revived. And after 14 days they decide we got to go home. 
we got to go back to where we came from. We're scattered from all over the place. We got twelve tribes. I mean, we're scattered all over the nation of Israel. We got to. We can't stay here forever. We got to go back home. So they make the declaration as the anointing of God captures them as they're together. There's an anointing that gets them, and as they're going home, they're going, man. Why, by the way, while we going home, when we leave this place of worship and we start back home to where we're supposed to go, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to clean it up on our way home. So as they pass through communities and they pass through cities, they start kicking down idol worship. What they start saying is, you know what? We ain't having that in our country no more. We're tired of y'all worshiping idols. Don't you know we're the people of God? We're not going to put up with that. And all of a sudden on their way home from the temple, they start cleaning up their communities. Get rid of that idol. We're not going to let that happen among us no more. We're tired of our nation bowing down to the wrong God. There's only one God. Tear that worship idol down. Destroy it. Get rid of it. We're not going to let you do that no more in our communities because what you're doing like that is affecting my kids and my kids are going to not going to be affected by the worldly things no more. We're going to tear down this stuff and we're going to clean up our community in our city while we're on our way back home. Wouldn't that be great around here? That all of a sudden we say, you know what? I've been in the house of God and God has changed me. God has got a hold of me. There's an anointing that has turned me inside out. I can't leave like I came. I can't go back the way I come. I go back different. God has changed my life. I'm not okay with the way things are no more. I'm going to go out there and make a difference in my community and say, I'm going to tell them that there is only one God. There's not two, there's one. And we're going to serve as for me and my house. We're serving that one God, we're not going to put up with that no more. I'm telling you, churches need to do that today. So Hezekiah, the king, says, okay, if y'all are so excited about all this and God showed up today, I will provide what you need in order so that you can serve God like you are supposed to. In 2 Chronicles, now when all of this was finished, and Israel were present, went out to the cities of Judah, and they broke down the images in pieces, and they cut down the groves, and they threw down the high places and the altars out of all Judea and Benjamin and Ephraim and Manasseh until they had utterly destroyed them all. Then all the children of Israel returned, every man to his own possession, into their own city. In other words, we got to go home after church. We got to go home, but we're not going to go home the way we were. We're going to go home different. And Hezekiah appointed the courses of the priests and the Levites after their courses read this with me, underline it in your Bible every man according to his service and the priests and the Levites for burnt offerings and for peace offerings to minister to give thanks to praise in the gates of the tents of God of the Lord and he appointed unto the king's portion of his substance for the burnt offering to wit for the morning and the evening burnt offerings and the burnt offerings for the Sabbath and for the new moons and for the set feast as it is written in the law of the Lord. Moreover, he commanded that the people dwelt in Jerusalem to give the portion of the, to the priests and the Levites that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. What that means is, I need my men of God staying focused on the things of God and you're going to take care of them while they do that because you're going to bring in your tithes and you're going to make sure that all this is taken care of. And then it says in verse number 5, as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance 
the first fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey. And all of the increase of the field and the tithe of all things brought they in, what? Say it with me, abundantly. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwelt in the cities of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of the oxen and the sheep, the tithe of the holy things which were consecrated unto the Lord their God, and they laid them by heaps. In other words, what that word heaps means is they brought their stuff and they started putting them in piles because they didn't have nowhere to put it because the people were bringing their, their tithes in and they started piling them up and collecting it. And in the third month, they began to lay the foundation of the heaps and to finish them in the seventh month. And when Hezekiah and the princess came and saw the piles, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priest and the Levites concerning the collection of the piles and the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadok answered him and said, since the people begin to bring the offering into the house of the Lord, we have enough to eat. And, and we got plenty. We got plenty left over. For the Lord has blessed his, what? Say it with me. His people. And that which is left is in great store. In other words, we got so much going on around here that we can't even have a place to put it because God's people is where God's people have got to be. Then it says in the next verse, in, in verse number 11, then Hezekiah commanded the prepare the chambers in the house of the Lord and they prepared them and they brought in the offerings and the tithes and the dedicated things faithfully underline that in your Bible they did it faithfully over which Korana and the Levite and it was a ruler and Shimei his brother was the next then look at verse number 20 and thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah and wrought that which was good and right and truth before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God and in the law and in his commandments to seek his God, read this last part with me, everybody. He did it with all his heart and he prospered. Put those two together. You got to serve God with all your heart. You got to serve God with all of your heart. And when you serve God with all of your heart, I promise you, you will prosper. But when you let things of this world begin to crowd it in, rob you of who you are, rob you of your distinction, begin to play games with your mind that you forget who you are in Christ. You're a king and a priest. So when I thought about that and I began to study that, <clears throat> I wanted to kind of take you somewhere. Are you with me? Say amen. Let's think about Number one in the outline, defining functionality in past kingdom work. How did they function in kingdom work in Israel? How did that work? Now, before we dig in, I want you to listen to me. Are you listening? I believe God's wisdom in the structure of Israel is something that can help us in the New Testament church. Remember in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 6, we are what? Tell me. Y'all, good night. You're what? Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 6. Who are you? Kings and priests. So God uses that analogy not for something that's going to come, but something that we are. And that analogy came out of the nation of Israel in kingdom past. Now, before we look at all this, I want to kind of put my mind and your mind around the word priest. What did the priest do in Israel past? They carried the responsibility of hearing from God. They offered sacrifices for the people. 
They received tithes and offering from the people. They cared for the house of God. They cared for the widows and the orphans. They cared for the stranger at the gate. They spoke encouragement and blessings over the kings before the kings went into battle. Now that's what the priests did. What did the kings do? Well, the kings destroyed the enemies of God. The kings were those people that went out to war and they destroyed the enemies of God. By the way, when you walk out that door today, you're on a battlefield. And you're out there to destroy the enemies of God. They took the spoils of the war and they brought the spoils back to the people of God. They paid tithes and offerings to the priests. They governed the affairs of the nation. Even though priests were from time to time involved in government as advisors, they didn't stir the people to overthrow even the bad kings. Rather, they spoke the word of the Lord over the situation and eventually judgment would come. While kings at times gave directly to the needs of the people, they were not, the kings, are you listening, were not permitted to interfere with the work of the priest. So, so that when a king would try to take the work of the priest and do it, judgment would come to him. So God distinctly said, I've got an office right here for kings. I've got something for kings to do, and I've got something for priests to do. Revelation chapter 1 says, as you as a believer, you're either a king or a priest. Now, we know that we're a part of the priesthood of believers, but there's a functionality that we need to understand. You remember when Saul was going to go into battle, and he got impatient. Samuel was delayed. And so Saul took the priest's operation in his own hand, and, 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 and did what the priest should do, the king was not allowed to do. And when Samuel showed up, he said, why did you do that? And judgment came on Saul at that moment. What God was saying was this, I got something for kings to do, and I got something for priests to do. The king would not go to war without the blessing of the priest. The priest had to bless the king before he went out to war. And the king, when he went out to war, he would bring provisions so that the kingdom could function, so that the priests could do what they had to do. When I think about that, I think about the priest blessing the kings to go to war. The assignment that God has given me is to bring something to you so that when you go out there to war that you're able to defeat the enemy of God. So that you go out there and you get a victory in your life and you come back and you bring provision so that the kingdom can move forward. When I thought about that, I began to realize that, that in Old Testament times, God distinguished. I got a function for a king and I got a function for a, for a priest. And now for all of you, every one of you, God has said to you, I made you a king and a priest unto God. And for because of that, to God be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God has a place for you. And you say, Brother Jack, I get that with the Old Testament. What's that got to do with now? Well, when I think about that, there's a couple of things that I want you to write down in point number one, and that is this. Priest 
provided vision. That's what a priest did. He gave the vision from God. He gave the nation the word of God and was able to give vision of what God wanted in the kingdom. The priest provided vision, but the king provided provision. The king provided provision. Write that down. Next point. The king provided provision. The priest provided what? Say it with me. Vision. The kings provided provision. The priest would say, God has said. The priest would say, this is what you are to do. The priest would say, go to battle. And the priest would give the blessing over the king. Or the priest would say, don't go to battle. God's not with you. The priest was there to give counsel to the king. When the king had the blessing of the priest, and he went and was obedient to the blessing and the vision of the priest, the king would go to battle. And when the king would go to battle, and he would defeat that enemy, he would go in and get all their stuff, and he'd bring all the provision back to the kingdom work. And he would go out there and get what the enemy had stolen and bring it back to the people of God. Can I get an amen? amen? And that's what God wants to do today. He wants to take back what the enemy has stolen from us. So when the priest speaks, you are to listen. When the priest gives the blessing, it's an anointing from God. It's a word from God over your life to say, go to battle. You've been prepared for this fight. You've been prepared for this war. Now go and be obedient to God. And God would use that at that time. But let's think about the balance, managing the balance that God has framed for the advancement of his kingdom in the present world. In the present world. There was a divine teamwork that coexisted for centuries in Israel. Mutual respect was born out of mutual need. The priest spoke the blessing or the judgment of the king. And the king dared not harm the priest. When David sinned with Bathsheba, King David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, a priest showed up named Nathan and said, you're the man that did that. But David would not dare harm that man of God because David knew that that man of God had a message for him from God. So when they, King David, he could have killed him. He could have, he could have destroyed Nathan. But he's going, no, that's a God man. That's a God man. Do not touch that God man. Even though he corrects you when you're wrong, that's an anointed person that God has set in my life to instruct me so that I can be blessed even though I mess up. So King David understood that there was a divine teamwork that, that functioned. They respected the anointing and the calling of God on the office. Even when the man failed his office, if God selected them, then only God could reject them. It was God's point. It was God's move. It was God's work. And, and, a, and another interesting thought before we move into this verse, that when you study the tribe of Levi and the priest that was in that tribe, that when you do the math of that priest, of the priesthood and the math of all the tribes of Israel, there were 27 
tithing men that supported one priest. 27 tithing people that supported one priest mathematically. So we realize that the tribe of Levi was the smallest tribe. But yet, in that small tribe, God had chosen priest to direct the affairs of his kingdom. 27 of the nation of Israel's men would, as you look at the math, tithing would support that work. Now, when we think about that, we realize that it always, are you listening to me? Say amen. It always takes financial resources to run a kingdom. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, Brother Jack, now you're not even getting this money thing. Because that's what y'all talk about. You talk about money. That's what you do. And I'm going to tell you, most churches, and that's why I said most of y'all won't get this, because it just it's not who you are. It's not what you want to be. If the Levites have tried to take all the people of Israel and turn them into priests, if the Levites had said, all y'all need to be priests, then there would be nobody to make provision. Somebody had to make the provision. And so the resources that worked together for the kingdom to operate had to operate in God's instruction. Do you understand that? Say amen. And I believe that there is a divine call to the king's side of the kingdom that is so important, and that king's call is just as important as the priest's call. I believe that what the kings do is important and what the priests do is important. But it all has to work together. And the resources have to come in order for the kingdom to move forward presently. See, what happens is this. We say, that's my resources. And what you do is you go, no, that's my money. That's my money. And you say, I worked for it. It's my money. Can I just tell you this? Are you listening? Say amen. amen. It ain't your money. Try dying and see who gets your money. See, what we do is, is we, we like this. We go, no, that's my money. And God's going, no, it's not your money. Everything belongs to God for his kingdom work. You got $10, this is my $10. And that $10 is screaming because you're holding it so tight. Let me go, let me go, let me go. And God is going, I want you to give that because you are part of the kingdom. And your functionality in this kingdom is to provide resources. And God is going, let go of that tin dollars. And you're going, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Let go of that tin dollars. Let go. And you're, you got your fist all wadded up around your tin dollars because you think it's yours. It's not yours. It's God's. And God is trying to pry that out of your hand. Let go of it. Let go of it. And you're going, why? Why? It's mine. And God's going, because I want to put $100 in your hand. But you won't let go of your 10. How can God put something in your hand when you won't let go of what's his? So God's wanting to teach you something. Let go of that. I made you a king. I want to promote you as a king. There's something bigger coming into your life, but you've got to learn to trust me. I want to put something else in you. 
Because don't you know this? You're on the practice field right now. You ain't in the game. I got something bigger for you planned. But what I got bigger for you planned, I can't promote you to it because you don't even understand kingdom work. And kingdom work, and according to Revelation chapter 1, verse number 5 and 6 says that Jesus Christ is the faithful witness. Can I get an amen? Jesus Christ is the first begotten of the dead. Do you believe that? Say amen. And Jesus Christ is the prince of the kings of the earth. Do you believe that? Say amen. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Do you believe that? He has made us. Somebody tell me. Kings and priests. So the way I got it figured, you're either a king or a priest. That's your functionality. You're not just here to take up space. You got a, God's got a purpose for you. Oh, I wish I could take these teenagers and teach them something. Because I'm going to tell you something. I want you to become a king. And I want you to become a priest. Last Sunday night, we, 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 we had a great time. Nick Jones walked down and, and let the church know that he was called to ministry. A little 16-year-old boy. Yay! I wish we had more of them. But we can't make them all priests. We've got to have some kings. We've got to have some kings that's birthed out of us to give provision so the we can do the work of God. Does that make sense to you? Uh, when I, that, that don't make sense to some of y'all. Do y'all, does that make sense to you? Say amen. A couple of our examples. I just want to kind of get your mind where it ought to be. Y'all sitting in a worship center right here that some kings provided. You see, when we built this worship center, this thing wasn't supposed to be finished. But some kings showed up with some money. And some kings walked up to me and said, hey, pastor, we'll buy all the sheetrock for this place. We believe God's in it. And a king provided some resources so we could have this thing finished. Some kings walked up and said, you're going to need a sound room, sound system in this place. Brother Jackie, your voice ain't big enough to tell everybody about what's going on in this place. Uh, we, 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 got, we need a sound system in here that will, that will project that. A king showed up and provided that. A king showed up and provided pews. When I, when I think about this, the mountain project behind our church... Uh, those of you that's been here for a while, you know that that mountain project behind that church is a big project around here. And some kings showed up and said, hey, you, want, you, you know what? We believe God's in this place. Uh, we got bulldozers and we, we, we can help with this thing. And some kings showed up and started moving some dirt around here and provided things for us that we could not do on our own. Uh, the, some kings showed up and said, oh, you know what? We need some pavilions on the mountain so that we can do some things around here. Some kings showed up and said, we'll, we'll, buy, we'll put some pavilions on that mountain. Here's the money to do that. Some kings showed up and, and, and said, you know what? You need fences around your ball field. Don't worry about it, pastor. I, I, I got this. Some kings showed up and bought all the fencing. Didn't cost y'all a dime. Some kings showed up and did some stuff around here. 
We, we was moving dirt around this place where I come from. I'm a country boy. Y'all hear that? We don't have to have permits to do nothing in my house. You want to build something? Go build something. You want to dig a hole? Go dig a hole. If you want to plant a tree, plant the blame tree. You don't have to get an inspector. We got a burn barrel. Some of y'all going, what's a burn barrel? That's your problem. You don't know what a burn barrel is. We start moving dirt. They go, you can't move dirt, man. Water's going to come off that hill out there. Good night. You've got to have retention ponds. What the heck is a retention pond? Drainage pond. You've got to have a place for water to go. Somebody's got to dig the pond. Somebody's got to put the pond. You've got to put fence around the ponds. Where I come from, a pond is what you fish in. You do not catch drainage water in it. Oh, you've got to have that, brother. We ain't got no money to put no pond in. Businessman calls me up. Brother Jack, will you come and see me? Yeah, come and see him. He, don't, he didn't go to this church. Hey, Brother Jack, come into my office. Yes, sir. Brother Jack, God's laid on my heart that y'all got a need at your church. Really? Yes, sir. God told me to call you. Do you have a need at your church? Yes, sir, we do. We need $15,000 for one pond and $15,000 for another pond. They call it a retention pond. <laughs> we ain't got $30,000, sir. Called his assistant in. A lady, whatever her name was, come in. This is Brother Jack of Eden Westside Baptist Church. Write him a check for $30,000. We'll provide those retention ponds for your church. A king showed up. Can I get an amen? A king shows up. Somebody, somebody with provision shows up. We got a preschool department down in the other building that's painted up, that looks good, that you carry your little babies down to and they like it and it's pretty. We didn't have no money to do that. But a king showed up and said, Pastor, y'all need to redo your preschool department. Here's a check, $60,000. Redo your preschool department. A king showed up. Me and Denise going on vacation. We ain't got no money to go on vacation. Ain't got a dime. We ain't got no money to go on a vacation. Our kids are little. ain't got no money. We need a break from all y'all. Dear God, I want a break. These people drive me crazy. I ain't got no money to go on vacation. We're going, we're going, we're going to go. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to go. The day before we left on vacation, a man shows up with an envelope. Pastor, God told me to drop by and bless you with this. You know how much money it was? Exactly what we needed to go on vacation. A king showed up. I'm driving... Some of y'all thinking, well, Brother Jack, how does that work? It works. I'm driving a brand new 2018, 17, whatever it is, F-350 pickup truck. Nice. You hear me? Nice. F-350 Ford pickup truck. 
Got every bell and whistle you could put on a thing. That thing makes noises that I don't know what it's doing. It's got buttons. I don't know what the buttons do. There, it's nice F-350 pickup truck. Last year, I was sick as a dog. Sick as a dog. Went home sick. Went upstairs, told my wife, I'm going to bed. It's 11 o'clock in the middle of the day. She thinks I'm dying. I don't never go to bed at 11 o'clock in the middle of the day. I'm sick. You hear me? Sick. I go upstairs, put my pajamas on, lay in my bed, 11 o'clock in the middle of the day, sick. Told my wife, leave me alone. I want to die by myself. <laughs> After a while, she comes up the stairs. A couple hours, knocks on the door, comes in. Sweetheart, somebody's here to see you. Did you tell them I'm sick? Yes, I told them you're sick. I don't want to see nobody. I'm sick. They said they're not leaving. They want to talk to you. I go downstairs in my pajamas. You hear me? In my pajamas, sick as a dog. There's a man and his wife sitting there. He says, Brother Jackie, we're not going to keep you long. God told me to come by, visit with you. I brought you something. What'd you bring me? I'm sick. I'm hoping for penicillin, anything. <laughs> Reaches out his hand, gives me a key pod. Says, sir, it's in your driveway. When you feel better, go look at it. No, I'm going now. <laughs> right now. Right now. I walk outside, an F-350 pickup truck. Every bell and whistle you can put on one. $81,000 truck. A king showed up. I ain't never had a truck like that with no payments. Are you listening to me? A king shows up. A king shows up. My wife looked at me and said, how are you going to explain that to them church people? <laughs> God, is my tr God is my witness. You know why? Because church people think wrong. We paying him too much money. He's riding around an F-350 pickup truck. I didn't buy that truck. A king showed up. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that God knows how to set kings in your life and he knows how to set priests in your life. And there is a present operation that God is working together right now to move things in your life. But so many people don't understand how God works. See, we selfish we don't understand how to let God be God and we take matters in our own head. And when we got stuff, we keep it for ourselves. But God wants you, maybe he wants you to sow into something so that you can reap a harvest after you do that. That man that brought my truck to me, he said, Sir, I was with you in the business world. You could have been anybody you wanted to be in the business world. God called you to preach. You've been preaching 36 years. I've been in the business world. Listen, God told me if I blessed you, he would bless me. My business has prospered because God has blessed my business. I get a choice. I can either be obedient to him or disobedient to him. God told me to bring this and give it to you. Let me tell you something, friend. God knows how to put kings in your life. God knows how to use people to encourage you along the journey. That when your back's against the wall and you don't know what to do, sometimes God shows up with a miracle in your life. I'm not telling you that because I think I'm something. 
But I'm telling you that because the kingdom of God is still presently operating. Do you believe it? I want you to be blessed, but you got to know who you are. You got to know who you are. Sometimes it takes it takes a willingness to go, God. Am I a king or a priest? If you're a king, go out there and win the battle. Let God pour into you provisions. Let God use you to be a king. But if he's called you to be a priest, then let God use you to be a priest. But the operation has to work together. There's a divine teamwork that has to happen. Now let me tell you the third thing, and I wished I had time. Oh, I do. Are you listening to me today? Position yourself for blessing in the future kingdom work. How many of you realize that one day we're going to go to heaven? And do you not know this? We're coming back to this earth. We're going to be part of the millennial reign of Christ on this earth for a thousand years. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to be doing that thousand years? You think you're just going to be sitting around? No. You know what you are? You know where you are right now? God's got you on the practice field. If you can't, listen, if you, if you, if you're lazy and don't want to get on the practice field, how's God going to put you in a position in the kingdom? If you don't know how to deal with what he's giving you now, how's he going to trust you with something over there? Now, there's a parable that Jesus used to illustrate this. It's called the parable of the talents. And in Matthew chapter 25, he talks about this. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man that goes to a far country. And what that means is Jesus has gone away from us. He's not here with us in the flesh no more. He's gone to prepare a place for us. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he called his servants and delivered to them goods. And one he gave five talents, and another he gave two talents, and another he gave one talent. And he, to every man according to his ability, and, and this man, he went on his journey. And then he that received the five talents went and traded with some and made ten more talents. And the one that had the two talents went and made two more talents. But he that went to the one that he gave one hid the talent in the earth. In other words, I got to keep it. That's what some of y'all are doing. You're trying to keep that talent. Trying to keep what God's given you. The Bible says after a long time, this man came back. Jesus is coming back. And what happens is, I'm not going to take the time to go through all this because you can read it yourself. But he, he called that when he had the five talents and, and he brought him the other five talents. He said, Lord, you delivered me five talents and I made some, I invested my talents and made talents. And notice what Jesus said to him or the man said in the next verse. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And why are you good? God, I'm so proud of you. I don't know what to do. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That's what you do. I gave you something and you used it. And because you used it, man, you multiplied it in the kingdom. Two, two talents did the same thing. What, the man that had the one talent, he said, you are a slothful and lazy servant. 
In other words, how am I going to promote you in my kingdom when you don't understand kingdom stuff? So here's what you do. See, a lot of y'all don't, you just come to church, you don't understand kingdom stuff. God's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. You're on the practice field now. If you don't know how to catch a grounder, how are you going to play in the game? If you don't know how to be faithful with little, how's God going to trust you with much? See, some of y'all here right now, you're saying, man, I need me a new job. I hate my job. But you ain't faithful where you are. So why would God want to give you a new job for you to be unfaithful with more? Some of y'all go, well, I need some more money. I need to make some more. I need a raise. You ain't tithed in 20 years. Why would God want to give you a raise when you steal from him with what you got? Why would he want to give you five more dollars to be disobedient with him with? Why would God want to entrust you with more when he can't trust you with what you got? Because he's setting you up for another kingdom. In the book of Revelation, I'm just going to talk to you about it. You can look at it later. We know that Jesus is the one that opens the seals. And in that kingdom, you can just run through that scripture. You can just kind of look there. Jesus is worthy to open the lamb. Go on, Bethany, to loose the seals thereof. No man in heaven or earth was able to do that, but Jesus was able to do it. And in the next verses talk about all that, just because she's going to kind of go through that with you. But I want you to know this. Look at me, not the screen. He says, I'm going to set you up to be kings and priests, and you're going to reign with me for a thousand years. Listen, listen to Brother Jack. You're going to be reigning in a millennial kingdom for a thousand years with Jesus being a king or a priest. What are you doing with your life? As our musicians come, what are you doing? You are a king or a priest in Christ. He's got you right where he wants you. He's got a purpose for your life. But if you don't understand how to function in this purpose... You're not going to grow in that kingdom. When I thought about this, and you can read all those scriptures later, but I want to look at Revelation 20 and verse number 6. Let's go there, Bethany. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be what? Priest of God and of Christ, and they're going to reign with him for how long? A thousand years. You ever thought about that? What are you going to be doing for a thousand years? What, what are you going to be doing for a thousand years? Well, you're going to be reigning with God as kings and priests. The nation of Israel is going to rule the nations. Christians are going to rule the world. And God has got to trust you. He's got to trust you and able to promote you. Bottom line is powerful to me. When you belong to Jesus, you are royalty. Can I get an amen? You're royalty. 
And when you're royalty, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 9, it says you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When you belong to Jesus, you're royalty. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. Are you a king to make provision? Or are you a priest to give vision? When I thought about that, I thought, man, you know what? Where does it start, pastor? Where does it start? It starts right now with you. There are a lot of you in here, you've never heard of this before. And I wished I had more time to teach you, but I don't. I want, I want you to do good. I want you to get off the bench on the field. I want you to serve God. I want you to be faithful. I want you to be committed. I want you to be blessed. But you got to understand that God has already set you up. He's already set you up to be a king or a priest. Right now, you need to think about that. Some of you, the, where does it start? Some of you need to start with getting in your, in your heart, you need to give Jesus your life. You can't, you can't finish what you don't start. You've got to come to a place in your life where you go, Lord, I need to give you my life because what I see is that you have a plan for me and I want to give you my heart. Some of you need to do that. Some of you need to come and join this church. You need to come and join this church and you need to serve this, the Lord in this church and you need to help in this church and you need to be faithful in this church. You need to say, this is where I want to be. And some of you need to reboot. Some of you just missing it. You just need to say, God, I need to rethink what I've been doing with my life. Because it matters. It matters. So I want you to stand with me. Our altars are going to be open. Ministers are going to be here. And if you're here today and you'd like to come, give your heart to Jesus. Join the church. Recommit yourself. Now's the time to do it. As we sing together this old song. Let's sing it.